Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford, Woking and Aldershot in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. Well, I'm really excited to this morning have the opportunity both to kick off a brand new teaching series at, at the start of this brand new year. The series is entitled The Way of Wisdom, Ancient Paths for a New Year. And uh, really, as we were praying last year about what we should bring from the scriptures uh, to this community at this time of year, uh, our strong sense is that 2023 is one that we step into with a sense, many of us, of trepidation, many questions, uh, a great deal of struggle. Uh, this is a time of uncertainty and therefore a time where we have the great privilege as followers of Jesus Christ of anchoring ourselves in the sanity of the sages, finding comfort and clarity in the timeless truths of ancient, proven wisdom. Uh, if you're not a Christian, you still have to go through all this stuff, but you do so uh, perhaps without the same hope or perspective. But as followers of Jesus, we are able to look at whatever life throws at us and say it is well with my soul. You may remember uh, towards the end of last year, I preached on Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16, stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. It is well with my soul. And our aim in this series isn't just to sort of pep you up and advise you on a couple of things and reassure you. It is to provide uh, you practically with tools that can help us all to live wisely and well this year making 2023 the best that it can possibly uh, be. And so together we're going to be considering God's wisdom uh, in many different contexts. We're going to be thinking uh, next week about God's wisdom with regard to the whole realm of anxiety. And we have Amy or Ewing with us uh, speaking, so that is one not to be missed. She is amazing, as I'm sure you know. We're going to be thinking about God's wisdom with regard to our speech our language, what comes out of our mouths, God's wisdom in the realm of contentment, uh, God's wisdom in the realm of relationships. And uh, so it's going to be a rich series. I'm sure you agree that wisdom is in short supply in our world. Um, one of my guilty secrets in life is I quite like those um, I, we, sort of humorous toilet books. Um, <laughs> This one uh, is called The Book of Bunders, and it's edited by Bill Bryson. It's side-splitting, banana-slipping, rib-tickling, and true. Uh, here we go. Let's try a couple. Um, charged with driving the getaway vehicle after a murder in New York, Domingo Asario was eventually released when it was brought to the attention of the police that Domingo Asario had no arms. Uh, <laughs> Good one. Uh, 
the members of a scuba diving team in Cornwall decided in late 1979 to go diving in Loch Bui in Scotland. After acquiring the permission of the loch's owner, which took quite some time, they loaded up their equipment and drove 700 miles, lugged their gear 3,000 feet up a mountain, whereupon they discovered that Loch Bui is actually only six inches deep. And, <laughs> and, and this is one my, my wife actually advised me not to share with you. But I, I'm a man um, who likes to be accountable, so I took it to Adam, head of the pastor's congregation, and said, is this inappropriate? He said, it's absolutely fine. So <laughs> I stand before you as a man taking my life uh, in, you know, I'm in peril. But here we go. An English woman, according to the Sunday Express newspaper, was climbing into the bathtub one afternoon when she remembered she had left some muffins in the oven. Naked, she dashed downstairs. She was removing the muffins when she heard a noise at the door, thinking it was the baker and knowing that he would come in and leave a loaf of bread on the kitchen table in the usual way if she didn't answer his knock. The woman darted into the broom cupboard. <laughs> a few moments later, she heard the back door open and to her eternal mortification, the sound of footsteps coming towards the cupboard. The door opened, it was a man from the gas company coming to <laughs> read the meter. Oh, stammered the woman, I was expecting the baker. <laughs> the gas man blinked, excused himself and departed. <laughs> There's a lot more where that came from. <laughs> Wisdom is often lacking in our world. And uh, for me, this is very personal. Um, as some of you will know, uh, this has not been an easy Christmas or New Year for us as a family, because uh, literally a month ago today, um, my mother had a, a terrible stroke, a very big one, and was rushed into hospital. And uh, we were literally on our way to church, and we had to turn around and get to the, the hospital. And, and um, you know, my mother's sprightly, sharp, sassy, fit, and um, has prayed for me every day of my life. And it, it's a shock, which I know many of you have experienced similar things. And we're not special, but it's been a, an agonizing month, and we're still in the battle. Uh, the families camped out at the hospital, um, you know, endless meetings with uh, doctors and so on. Uh, my mother still can't speak. Uh, we, we're not sure she might be beginning to swallow. She's been fed for a month through a nose in her tube. And so you're processing all the different dynamics emotionally, psychologically, financially, I mean, every single way. It's been an incredibly tough Christmas and we've had our share of tears and I'm so grateful to this church. It's wonderful to be part of a Christian community. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your support. We appreciate it and we are so aware that many people have their own stories, some much worse 
uh, and that as we step into 2023, many of us do so with mixed feelings. And so I'm not interested in wisdom as some platitude, but I really do need wise counsel and comfort and guidance. And I don't just want something that's coming from some Instagram influencer. I'm wanting ancient wisdom. I'm wanting truths that have stood the test of time. And so we're going to be looking at three particular books uh, from the Bible in this series because, as some of you will know, there are, these three books are actually known as wisdom literature. And uh, they are the book of Proverbs, the book of Ecclesiastes, and the book of Job. Those three together are known as wisdom literature, the wisdom books. And I want to introduce them to you, therefore, with a video from our great new friend, Tim Mackey, at the Bible Project, who came and spoke at the 24-7 conference. Just amazing message. And this is him, in his usual way, with brilliant uh, artistry, introducing this concept of wisdom literature, and particularly the book of Proverbs. So take a look at this. There are three books in the Bible that have come to be called the wisdom literature, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job. And all these books are addressing the same set of questions. What kind of world are we living in? And what does it look like to live well in this world? So how to be good at life? Yeah. So each of these books tackles these questions from a unique perspective. And it's important to understand all of them to get a fully biblical perspective on the good life. So as a thought experiment, you could actually imagine each of these books as a person. So Proverbs would be like this brilliant young teacher, and Ecclesiastes is the sharp middle-aged critic, and Job would be this weathered old man who's seen a lot in his day. We're going to start by meeting the book of Proverbs, the brilliant young teacher. And she's not just smart, she's smart about everything, work, relationships, sex, spirituality. She has incredible insights. Things you wouldn't see on your own. Yeah, she would be the perfect friend to have around when you need really specific advice. So what makes her so smart? Well, Proverbs can see things that most people don't see. She believes that there's an invisible creative force in the universe that can guide people in how they should live. And you can't see it, just like you can't see gravity, but it affects everything that we do. So what's this force? Well, in Hebrew, it's called chokhmah. And it usually gets translated into English as wisdom. It's an attribute of God that God used to create the world. And Hokmah has been woven into the fabric of things and how they work. So wherever people are making good or just or wise decisions, they're tapping into Hokmah. And whenever someone's making a bad decision, they're working against Hokmah. Right, or as it says in Proverbs chapter 1, the waywardness of fools will destroy them but the one who listens to wisdom lives in security. So it's like a moral law of the universe. Yeah, it's a cause-effect pattern, and no one can escape it. And Proverbs personifies all of this as a woman. Yeah, Lady Wisdom. Right, and she roams around the earth, calling out, making herself available to anyone who's willing to listen to her and to learn. Which leads to the second thing Proverbs believes that anyone can access and interact with wisdom and use it to make a beautiful life for yourself or for others. You can create with it like a designer. Yes, in fact, chokhmah in Hebrew isn't simply intellectual knowledge. The word is also used to describe a skilled artisan who excels at their craft, like woodworking or stonemasonry. 
So you show you possess Hofmah when you put it to work and develop the skill of making a good life. Okay, that makes sense. So let's do this. Let's go find some wisdom. But before you do, Proverbs has one more really important thing to consider. Hokmah isn't some impersonal force. It's an attribute of God himself. And so in Hebrew thought, your journey to becoming wise has to begin with what Proverbs calls the fear of the Lord. It's this healthy respect for God's definition of good and evil. And true wisdom means learning those boundary lines and not crossing them. Now, all those ideas you just unpacked are in chapters 1 through 9 in Proverbs. But when I think of the book of Proverbs, I think of the collection of sayings, the Proverbs themselves. Tell me about those. Yeah, those are what you find in chapters 10 on to the end of the book. It's a collection of hundreds and hundreds of Proverbs about any and all aspects of life. And Chokmah gets applied to them, resulting in this wise guidance to help you find a path towards success, and no matter what you do. If I design my life with these sayings, life is going to be good. Yeah, or as Proverbs puts it, it'll give health to your bones, prosperity, a long, rich life. Which is a really big claim. But you can see how it's often the case. Wise people, they tend to do better. Things usually work out well for them in life. And so that is the promise and the wisdom of the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is really beautiful. But if we take a step back, some people would argue it's a little too simplistic. Because sometimes horrible things happen to really wise people and sometimes foolish people get rewarded. It doesn't always work the way we think it should work. That's right, which is why we need to go and listen to our next wise friend, Ecclesiastes the Critic, because he's wrestled with that very problem, and he's going to push us further in our journey to find the good life. Well, we'll try and play you the next bit, and you can find out what uh, Ecclesiastes looks like. But that's really helpful, isn't it? The understanding of wisdom at the start of this series. So uh, let's read some of the book of Proverbs together. If you're able to do so, let's stand out of uh, respect for God's word. This is Proverbs chapter 1. And we're going to read verses 1 to 9. Proverbs chapter 1. And we're going to read verses 1 to 9. Let's do it off the screen here. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. Amen. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. The fear of the Lord, verse 7, is the beginning of knowledge, the beginning of wisdom. This doesn't mean uh, being frightened of God. Uh, this means respecting him. It means recognizing how awesome he is, putting him first in all things, trusting him 
even when we don't always understand. And we saw that powerfully in the hymn that we just sung. It is well with my soul. I, you know, um, that hymn, I, I requested that because it has been ministering to my soul uh, as I've driven to the hospital, spent hours there, driven back. I don't know how many times I've listened to that hymn. And it's, it's kind of touched me in a place that I don't think anything else could in the season that I'm in right now, not knowing if my mother is going to live or die. And if she does live, what kind of life she may or may not have. And so I have been researching the hymn, and some of you will know the backstory, but it has deeply impacted me. The lyrics were written by a man with a terrific name, Horatio Spafford, who was an eminent uh, lawyer in Chicago in the 19th century. In 1871, he lost almost all of his money in uh, a crisis called the Great Chicago Fire. He had a lot of money invested in property. He lost it all. He began to recover his, uh, his finances, and then two years later, in the recession of 1873, he lost his wealth again. So if you're stepping into uh, this new year with financial worries, Spafford certainly understood those uh, as he wrote this song that could sound rather trite. Oh, well, whatever happens, it's well with my soul. And then around this time, having lost almost all of his money, Horatio Spafford, who was a godly man, uh, and was a great supporter of the uh, American evangelist Dwight L. Moody, uh, said, I am going to, uh, we as a family are going to go on a missions trip to the UK to support Dwight L. Moody as he preaches the gospel around the UK. But because of the financial crisis that he was in, he said to his wife, uh, and his four daughters, you go on ahead. I'm going to have to just take a, a bit of time, sort some things out here. I'm going to come on and join you. And so it was that on November the 22nd, 1873, this year will be the 150th anniversary, November 22nd, 1873, as their ship sailed across the Atlantic, it sank, killing 226 people, including all four of Horatio Spafford's daughters. We've got a picture of them here. Annie, who was age 12, Maggie, age 7, Bessie, who was 4, and little Tanetta, who was just 18 months old. Eventually, Anna made it to Wales, actually, and sent a telegram that's become quite famous to her husband. It said this, saved alone saved alone. Horatio Spafford obviously was beyond devastated, heartbroken, but realized I've got to go to the UK on another ship to rescue my wife and bring her home. And so he boarded this ship, doubtless with all sorts of emotions. And as they were crossing the Atlantic, the captain called Horatio Spafford uh, to him and said, I thought you might want to know that we are just about to cross the point at which your four daughters died. And it was at that point that Horatio Spafford sat down and started writing the words that we just 
sang. And suddenly, knowing a little of this background, they carry another level of meaning. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to know it is well, it is well with my soul. This is not cheap. This flows from a heart that truly fears and finds its security in God, even in utter agony. This is a heart that has learned to trust God in the darkest night, the deepest despair, the most painful situation imaginable. This is a wisdom that is not of this world. Proverbs 3, verses 5 to 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. My goodness, Horatio Spafford was doing exactly that. In my own stumbling walk with the Lord, I am learning that there is a peace in trust, in acceptance, in relinquishment, in a recognition of the reality of life's many seasons and the extremes of emotion therein. Another wisdom writer, this is now the book of Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 to 4, sums it up like this. There is a time for everything. There's a season for every activity under the heavens. There's a time to be born. It's time to die. There's a time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep. And there's a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn, there's a time to dance. There's a sort of a Christian stoicism here that accepts life seasons, accepts, yes, the joy, but also the pain, and somehow says, it is well with my soul. I think of the words of Teresa of Avia, Teresa's mum died when she was just 11 years old. She became a nun, but her whole life she suffered with illness and probably also with epileptic fits. Teresa Ovia, out of her own suffering, wrote this, let nothing disturb you. Let nothing frighten you. All things are passing away. God never changes. Patience obtains all things. Whoever has God lacks nothing. God alone suffices. It is well with my soul. And it's all very well, Teresa Revere, Saint Teresa. A little bit of an edge there. It's all very well, Horatio Spafford. But I find this hard. You say let nothing disturb you, but... You'll have your own situation, but for me it's this. What's going on with my mum is deeply disturbing. What do you mean, let nothing disturb you? And she says, let nothing frighten you, but I want to be honest. I'm a grown man, but at times I'm really scared. How do we do this stuff? 
How do we have hope in these situations? Well, I think it's some of it to do with having hope for this life and hope for the one to come. And that's why it's almost inevitable in Horatio Spafford's hymn that we're going to sing together again in a moment. It ends with the vision of Jesus returning. It's really interesting as we have had to have some conversations about potential end-of-life care. You tend to think that Christians are always, you know, pro-life, pro-life. But actually, I believe in heaven. My mother knew Jesus. She knows Jesus. She loves Jesus. It actually changes things. If I believe this life is all it's got, cling on to it. Fight the dying of the light, right? It's just at all costs. Don't let go, because this is all you've got. You're just an animal about to die out. But you begin to dare to believe that this might just be the dress rehearsal, and there might be a time when there is no more crying and no more dying, and when my, my mum might meet my dad and her parents again, and suddenly it changes the perspective. I have hope, not just for this life and for healing now, but if that healing doesn't come for the next, it is well with my soul. Let me tell you another little uh, thing that uh, I, I've learned over the years, not just with this situation with my mom, but with many of the tragedies we've had to walk through. And it's, it's this. I, I, this is my language. never heard anyone else use this. But I talk about holy hibernation. Holy hibernation. And it's very real to me in these moments. What do I mean? I mean that sometimes when profound suffering comes, you shut down. You shrink your horizons. You focus just on the next thing. You speak calm to your own mind that is frantically trying to ask the question, why, 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 why? And you say, that, that question's going to kill you. So swap the question why for the question where. Where is God in this hospital ward? Where is God in this moment? Where is God in my quiet time this morning? Where is God in this sermon this morning when I'm hurting like hell? Where are you, God? And do you know what? The why question will kill you. The where question will bring you hope and life. And then I also have to shut down a bit to allow other people to carry me. Sometimes I have to have faith in their faith because I don't even know what faith means anymore. And so when people say to me, how can I help you? And I say, please pray for us. It isn't trite. It's like I can't think of anything more precious and beautiful and wonderful that the people I meet in the high street don't really understand or can't enlist from their friends. Say, please pray for us in this season. And so I've learned to hibernate in this holy way. Sammy, quickly stand up, love. Sammy's brought this enormously big coat. It's entirely impractical. She continually puts it on and she says, is everyone a little bit too hot here? And we're all like, no, we're just fine. Look at it, it's like a duvet, this thing. And, 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 look, we, I mean, for those of you listening, just imagine it. It, it. It's like, whatever the weather, we have had some weather, haven't we, recently? But I know when Sammy pops this coat on, she feels kind of safe and warm and kind of hugged. And it's not a bad picture of holy hibernation. Sometimes just allow the warmth and the holding of God, even though you don't understand all that is going on. And so we have 
hope in this moment and hope for the future. Lord, haste the day when the faith shall be sight and the clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. And then the original was a song in the night, O my soul. So just as we come into land, I want to say to you today, I'm sure my situation is not your situation. And by the way, I'm sure many of you are entering 23 full of joy. You're in light, in love, you know. Finances are flowing into your bank account, willy and nilly. Uh, you know, there's promotions coming. Uh, you know, your teenagers are loading the dishwasher. You know. <laughs> Uh, and I just want to say, good for you, because it won't last. Just, just, just enjoy every moment. All right? Please, please. Uh, joy is not in that. Suffering is in everyone's life. Joy isn't. So when, you, when it's joyous, enjoy the joy. Uh, love it. Uh, don't don't apologise for it. Make the most of it. But uh, if, like me, you're going through some hard times at the start of this year, Another bit of wisdom. This is Proverbs 3, 5, uh, 4, 23. Above all, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from your heart. And again, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. He will make your paths straight. On that, I'm staking my life. So I wonder if we can just stand together. Let's get the band back. And this is highly unusual. We wouldn't normally do this, but we're going to sing that song again. And I could tell that you enjoyed it last time round, but I think this time, for those of you who didn't know that backstory, it will carry an extra weight. And as we sing this song at the start of this year... I want to encourage you to very specially make this your prayer. Sometimes at church, we can be full of hype and rah, 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 and tell you just trust Jesus, everything's going to be fine. And I hope you'll agree that we haven't done that at the start of this year. Uh, at the start of this season, we are simply saying, whatever you're going through, trust the Lord. Because you actually haven't got anything else. <laughs> All the alternatives, I guarantee, are worse. <laughs> this is a bit of Ecclesiastes coming in here, just a bit cynical. But, you know, it's the best, best bet you got. And those of you feeling a bit more positive, trust the Lord, because he is wonderful. And he is faithful. And his word is true. And his ways do lead you into good times. And so I don't know what this means for you right now. I encourage you to not just go through the motions, but really engage very personally with the Lord as we sing this now. It may be that for you this is a moment of painful relinquishment and surrender. Because it's going to hurt like hell to say it as well with my soul, because you're going through such painful things. And you're just making the decision, I'm going to trust defiantly, regardless. It may be this is a moment for you of realignment. You've just been scattered and busy and a little distracted over this season, which is fair enough. 
But here we are at the start of a new year. And it's time to switch off the autopilot, take back control and say, as for me and my household, we are going to live for the Lord. We're going to prioritize church. We're going to seek the Lord. We're going to dive back into maybe some of our spiritual disciplines. Use Lectio 365. Maybe start the Bible in one year. Come along to one of our many prayer meetings. But I'm going to realign. So it may be a moment of making those decisions. And as I say, if you're the person here, there is only one of you whose teenager is stacking the dishwasher and you're in love. Everything's wonderful. Just enjoy singing a thoroughly good song and feel slightly smug. And we are so happy for you. (laughs) Is that okay? So let's sing this song now as our prayer. And, um, you know, because of pantomime, we've got to be out uh, pretty pronto today. Ordinarily, we'd make space to pray for those of you who really need prayer. But I want to encourage you to talk to your collectives and say, I need someone to stand with me in prayer if you're going through a very hard time. Or just get in touch in the week. So let's sing together now.